0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. This is david walker and on today's podcast we're continuing our series where we preview the 2021 falcons roster today we're going to talk about the offensive line and i absolutely had to have our next guest on to talk about that uh even though sean harlow is not on the roster i still want to talk about the ol with this guy one of my favorite writers at the
1: falcoholic.com uh,
0: the one and only adnan ikic adnan thanks for joining me
1: uh- I'm very happy to be here at EW right now. Uh, just for the listeners to know, it's a Sunday morning uh, as we're <laughs> recording this. And what better way to kick off our Sunday morning than by talking about the offensive line, about the Atlanta Falcons? <laughs> <Pelicans.
0: laughs> oh, I hope it's I hope that's it's a good omen for our, our opinions on the offensive line. Um, because I, I'll be honest, uh, and I'm not, I want to get your, your take here as well, of all of the position groups, and this includes defense of all the position groups that has me the most nervous, this one may be at the top of the list. And it's not that I don't think there aren't quality players on the offensive line. It's that there's so many question marks. And I think if you look, you know, across the line in the trenches, you know, defensive line, I think obviously has a ton of question marks as well. Um, But this one, I think, you know, for Arthur Smith, we're all sort of, You know, thinking, okay, the defense is probably not going to be good. We were going in thinking it's not going to be good. Um, But part of the reason we got Arthur Smith as head coach is we're really hoping for a good offense this year. Even if the the defense can't keep up, um, we're really hoping that the offense can carry their weight. And this could be the unit that keeps that from really hitting its potential. So, what are your sort of overall thoughts or, you know, feelings about the offensive line as we head into the season, which is, Really, training camp is less than a week away at this point.
1: I'm nervous. Uh, like you said, it's it's something where it's such a massive question mark with this offensive line that you don't know what you'll get. And, you know, there's really good reason to be very anxious about this unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we know that it has at least two players who are uh, very above average and, you know, can even be considered good uh, at, at their <laughs> positions and Jake Matthews and Chris Lindstrom, uh, Chris mm-hmm. Lindstrom. I think, uh, and this is starting with the good news right now. Chris yep. Lindstrom, I think can, uh, be a pro bowler this year. I, I think he is going to take that next step and ascend into becoming a perennial pro bowler that you were expecting him to be when you took him with a, a pretty high, uh, mid to high draft pick in the, in the early teens. Uh, as a surprising pick but Lindstrom you know I can't wait to see him continue his ascension Jake Matthews uh, we we already know about Jake (laughs) Matthews he's a metronome he's steady as can be at the left tackle spot Uh, just uh, there's really not much else to say about him his pass blocking grade last year uh, according to PFF a very very robust Uh, 84.0 run blocking wasn't all the way up there but we know that in the modern NFL, pass blocking is what makes the money. Uh, so that's the good news. Uh, I'm very excited about those guys. But then after that, it's, uh, it's a lot of question marks. Uh, yeah. Alex Mack left the Falcons uh, this past offseason. He's someone that was an absolute you know anchor at the center position for the past five, year, five years since the Atlanta Falcons signed him in, in the summer of 2016. Uh, you know, Alex Mack was kind of slowing down. Uh, he wasn't at his Pro Bowl level from his first two or three years with the Falcons, especially as a pass blocker. He he was he was on the down uh, end of his career, but behind him, Falcons took Matt Hennessy in the third round in the draft last year, and Hennessy really didn't showcase himself very well last year especially when it comes to pass blocking I understand he he, you know he he faced some really really rough uh competition you know some very uh very difficult competition down the stretch of of the season last year playing against the Chiefs against the Buccaneers but he was benched uh as a guard because he just kept getting owned uh when it came to pass blocking And, you know, hopefully he can take that next step this year behind him. The Falcons took Drew Dahlman, who is a a bit of a project as a center just because he's he's so light. He's around 300 pounds, but he fits in perfectly with what Arthur Smith wants to do. Yes. uh, As uh, you know, in, in zone blocking because and, you know, he's someone where I talked about it ad nauseum during the draft. Terry Fontenot. Coming from that New Orleans uh, GM tree where right now we s- I, I noticed a, a trend and a pattern in the way that he was drafting these players in that they all have pretty high relative athletic scores rass mm-hmm. which is a, a new tool used that pretty much takes into account everything their length their weight uh, you know their height just uh, it, it, it's a it's a comprehensive all in- one. Uh, score that basically uh, tells the story of a player's athletic uh, prowess their physical prowess and Drew Dalman was a 9.9 on this RAS which was yeah. very exciting only Creed Humphrey uh, was uh, he was a 10.0 which was a perfect score uh, was ahead of him as far as centers were concerned so you know Drew Dalman is someone whom I'm pretty excited about but whom I don't think is going to make much of an impact in his first year. And if he does, it, it'll be because Matt Hennessy failed to live up to expectations. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's you, you sort of immediately jumped into, I think, the first competition that we're all sort of eyeing. And that is that center position. you, you already uh, mentioned, Alex Mack, and I, I won't rehash that. Um, but yeah, it, 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 right now, I think the presumption is uh, everyone is sort of, tentatively penciling in matt Hennessy for for center and it's you know to your point and i do want to caveat the the year he had last year because most rookies uh, in 2020 didn't have uh, a proper rookie training camp they didn't have preseason games uh, they didn't have a full training camp a lot of the training camp was virtual because of all the covid um, you know uh, standards and protocols that were in place so for almost every rookie in the league it was uh, just an uphill battle to try to even get, you know, really into the NFL. Like the, for many of these guys, their first uh, on-field action was, you know, uh, essentially in the couple weeks heading up into the first regular season game. Um, so I, it, I don't, you know, I think a lot of people are like, Oh, Hennessy was terrible last year. And he was, he was actually one of our four. He was in the bottom five of our offensive graded players by PFF. I'm looking at it now and it was, it was not good. Like, uh, and but again, I want to put that caveat on there that um, he he and every other rookie just simply did not have a meaningful uh, training camp with which to get ready. and you know, to your point, um, Drew Dahlman could step in and uh, surpass him. I, it, you mentioned it, I think the the concerns with him are obviously he's a rookie. Um, he will have had you know more of a training camp than Hennessy had as a rookie. Uh, and he's a little bit undersized. I think Hennessy outweighs him by eight to 10 pounds. Um, but Dahlman is, is someone that, you know, coming out, as you, you mentioned, the athleticism is top notch. Um, he's considered to be a very uh, smart, intelligent player. Uh, and honestly, that, that that is sort of what Alex Mack was um, at, at center, a very smart player very athletic, you know, someone that liked to get out there and run. And that's going to be important in, you know, this wide zone running scheme that we're going to be going back to that Dirk Cutter sort of, uh, you know, bastardized and moved us away from over the past two years. Um, So that center position is, I think the really, I think the first one in my mind that it's like, we're, we're, the battle is between a rookie and a second year player that is, functionally a rookie so we we are looking at two young guys at the center of this and let's be honest the last time this happened was 2013 um the year after Todd LeCur was essentially forced the year to of Peter Cons. yes and uh like ultimately you know Cons I think ended up getting benched they went through guys like James Stone um Joe Holly. I think you know was was a decent starter at center for for a year and a half before injury started uh, knocking him out of the lineup um, but it wasn't until 2016 that they finally got that center position stabilized again um, Yeah, because you
1: know, Mike person had like four fumbles just snapping oh, the ball in 2015. yeah
0: that was so bad and and he actually started off really well uh, but uh, fell apart as the and, season went and, along
1: and you're completely right about Matt Hennessy. and it's one of those things where I really really hope that after uh, a full off season with the team that Matt Hennessy comes in and just sets the world on fire. Yep. Um, and if not, then the Drew Dahlman comes in and is one of the, uh, you know, incomparable rookie centers of, of our generation where he just like goes out goes out there and just has uh, a heck of this, a heck of a season. Mm-hmm. It's going to be super, super exciting to watch to watch that competition both in training camp and uh, in the preseason, it's one of it, it's one of maybe the three the top three or the top five competitions to watch with this yeah. team. Yeah. Uh, because another thing that Drew Dalman has going for him is that this re- regime picked him.
0: Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, there is no tie uh, for Matt Hennessy to this front office to this coaching staff. They they didn't select him. That was the the previous regime. Drew Dahlman was, you know, hand selected by Terry Fontenot in his first ever draft as mm-hmm. the GM of the Falcons. And that, that it matters. Like it, I know it, it doesn't feel like it should, but it matters with these front offices, with these coaches who, you know, they vouch for these players, they take them and, you know, they'll, they'll give them more chances. It, it's why, uh, it's why my guy Sean Harlow, who was a fourth-round pick, <laughs> kept getting chances over and over with the Falcons despite never being good enough to crack the, crack the lineup.
0: Oh, man, there had to be a Sean Harlow reference in there. Um, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, yes, and I think that's a very good point. That said, I do think this coaching staff will give Hennessy the opportunity to try to earn the job, but uh, if all things are equal – and Hennessy and Dahlman are both showing to be at roughly the same level, roughly the same performance. I think you're right. I think Dahlman will get the nod because, as you noted, he's, he's the pick of the new regime. And, uh, you know, so I think Hennessy has got his work cut out for him. I think he needs to drastically outperform uh, Drew Dahlman in order to absolutely 100% earn the job. Th- that said, right now, if I were to pick, I think Hennessy will be the starter on day one but I will not be surprised if Dalman finds a way to, uh, to change that story between now and the first game of the season. So uh, I'm with you on that. Now um, I do want to talk about the, we, we know left guard is obviously another spot and we'll get to that in just a second. Um, I want to talk about, you know, the tackle situation. Um, because right now you mentioned Jake Matthews and um, you know, for people who are uh, just hardcore Jake Matthews haters, you're not, this this podcast is not for you. We are Jake Matthews defenders <laughs> at the Falcoholic and on this podcast. Uh, and if you don't like it, you can just uh, you know,
1: piss off yeah. with your takes. PW I think you and I are two of the staunchest Jake Matthews like supporters oh. on in falcons media.
0: Yeah, easy, easily and d- in my mind deservedly so this guy by PFF, it, his lowest pass blocking grade was his rookie year, which was a sixty five. since then, uh, the the second lowest was 78.8, which was 2016, which was when they had the, one of the best offenses in the league. And that's um, a really
1: good, that's a really that's, good yes. pass blocking grade. Yeah, like exactly. Like 78 is real. This isn't like, you know, in school where 78 is like a C and that's like average. 78 is a really good pass blocking grade.
0: Yes. And I, I think it's important to know when you get into the 80s, that by PFF is basically a designation that you're pro bowl level. So and, and Jake Matthews has consistently for the past four years been in the mid to high 80s for pass blocking. As you mentioned, his run blocking has not uh, been as good as, you know, back in 2016, 2017. Um, but he is, bar none, a, uh, just a phenomenal starter on the left side. And I want to point this out because people bring this up to me all the time. And it drives me absolutely insane because this is not backed up by the facts whatsoever. They keep saying, oh, he, is, he gets so many penalties. He gets so many penalties. Wrong. He had three penalties last year. He had seven in 2019. He had three in 2018, and he had four in 2017. His most heavily penalized year was 2016, again, where apparently it really didn't make a difference because the Falcons had the highest scoring offense in the league
1: that year. That, that DW, I think that completely stems from that penalty in the Super Bowl. Like, that one penalty, it it just completely made the narrative.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, if, like, Having gone back and watched that, that was a ticky tack. Like you see, guys get away with that stuff um, every single week in the NFL, and it just happened to get called on in that play in that game.
1: Yeah, I just Um, can't believe you went back and watched that.
0: Oh no, it's it's yeah. (laughs) uh, I I, I'm I'm a glutton for punishment. What can I say? (laughs) Uh, But the the offensive tackle. All right, you and I are both settled on Jake Matthews. The other name, though, I want to talk about. Uh, before we go and talk about left guard which we we know there's gonna be competition there um caleb mcgarry you know he like chris lindstrom is coming into his third year um he is his first year was awful let's be honest it was uh he was not the player uh that we hoped he would be in his first year his second year he did take a step forward uh he he improved a good bit
1: Um, nowhere to go but up
0: yes when you're one of the worst players in the league um 2020, he, he got uh, a good bit better. He was more of a run blocker than a pass blocker. Um, and uh, bar none, some of his worst games were against good pass rushing teams, particularly in New Orleans, where he just absolutely got abused in the middle of the season um, by New Orleans stout pass rush. Uh, McGarry, to me, is uh, he's the presumed starter, and I think rightfully so. Um, however, until he got injured, and we don't know the extent of the injury still, I felt like Matt Gono could be someone that could push him as competition on that right side of the line, because, you know, if McGarry was better, but he was still inconsistent from game to game, you might get like a really great performance. And then he would follow it up with being an abject disaster. And it, so it's like boom or bust uh, last year with McGarry. So he showed that he has a potential and, you know, Adnan, you mentioned the RAS profile. His RAS profile is fantastic too. Like McGarry is high up there in his RAS score. And I think people sort of forget he's actually a a pretty athletic uh, uh, kid out there at at right tackle. Um, But I was a little bit concerned with the inconsistency. Am I being too harsh on him? Do you feel like he'll be fine in year three? Or are you a little bit on the fence about his potential out at right tackle as well?
1: Oh, I'm completely on the fence, not, not just a little bit. And Caleb McGarry, I think, is the biggest wild card. And it's, it is it is the most important thing for the Falcons' offensive line this year for Caleb McGarry to have a good season. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we mentioned Lindstrom and Matthews are fine. Like, yeah. I, I fully expect, you know, Pro Bowl level play from both of those guys. Center and left guard – that's not as fine because there's going to be so much inexperience and youth at at those two positions. Mm -hmm. You need Caleb McGarry to have a good year at right tackle because you can't have three below average offensive linemen on this unit. Yeah. Uh, Because I think right now it would be, Fair to say that center and left guard will probably be below average unless something very surprising happens. Mm-hmm. You, you need three plus-level starters on this offensive line to, to make things work and for it to not go into the realm of becoming a disaster because, you know, as good as Matthews and Lindstrom are, they're only two guys out of five. Yep. You know, you, you need that more than half, like, you know, metric for things to work and Caleb McGarry like he he has not objectively he has not been worth the first round you know selection in the trade-up thus far uh you mentioned in 2019 uh he was a disaster he led the league in sacks given up among offensive linemen he was he was better in 2020 but he still wasn't worth That first round pick so far, even even by his improvement in 2020, we really need a a third year step, a third year leap from Caleb McGarry. And you know, I'm incredibly, incredibly nervous because, like you said, so inconsistent last year. Like you can't, you can't afford for your right tackle to just go completely boom or bust. Like the the tackle positions, you need them to be solidified. You need them to be solid especially in today's NFL. And, you know, just the fact that we're, we're mentioning in no disrespect at all to Mad Gono, you know, he's someone who, you know, has come a long way. He's someone who is, you know, a favorite among the writers at The Balcoholic just because, you know, he, he's uh, taken it from the mud as, uh, yep. as an undrafted free agent. And, you know, so far uh, I, I want to see him succeed. We all want to see him succeed. But just the fact that we're mentioning the idea of Matt Gono possibly pushing Caleb McGarry, who was this first-round draft pick a few years ago, that, that's a problem in of itself. And, you know, McGarry, he's someone where we need him both this year and long-term to work out because you, it, it, it's going to suck having to, you know, find a right tackle uh, on top of all of the other laundry list of positions that we're going to have to address in the years to come. So yeah, we really no need kidding. McGarry to work out.
0: Yeah. This is, this could be one of the positions where if McGarry does not turn that corner, the way we're hoping, um, you know, Falcons may be yet again, drafting uh, a offensive lineman early in the draft, which they've done a lot of, you know, they, they did a lot of that uh, in the tail end of uh, uh, the time as GM uh, unfortunately, we're not sure if it has completely worked out. Uh, this is to me the, the biggest wall card like you said. Uh, we know the, the, the interior of the line is going to be a toss up. Um, this position really should be more stable and you know to the point that Jake Matthews has been so rock solid on the left side, it makes McGarry's job harder because the def- defenses are going to focus their pass rush against the weakest link. And it is going to consistently be McGarry. And so he is always going to see like the best pass rusher on each team. So he absolutely has to get better, um, or else, you know, this could be a long season. That said, one of the things I, I'm holding on to as hope uh, is the fact that uh, Arthur Smith played offensive line in college. Um, he is very intimate with the position, uh, he takes it very seriously. Um, this is a guy who very much believes in building from the trenches and out. Um, and as a reminder, last year in Tennessee, um, Arthur Smith uh, lost his starting left tackle. And who did he have to put out there as his starting left tackle? Ty Sombreo. And we all remember what Turnstile Tide did in Atlanta. And yet, uh, Arthur Smith was able to make it work. You know, Tennessee still ended up having one of the best offenses in the league last year, even with a massive, massive downgrade uh, at the tackle position, going down to a guy like Tyson Braille. And even I don't think Tyson Braille played, but just a couple of games before he got injured. So he, uh, Arthur Smith, finished the year with like a third-string tackle uh, on the offensive line. So that gives me some hope that uh you know this new coaching staff and arthur smith uh should help some of these guys you know turn turn the corner but it's not a guarantee um so i want to talk about the left guard uh competition i want to talk about the depth on the roster and how young it is but before we do that we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back today's episode is brought to you by cars.com We're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. I'm joined by fellow writer Adnan Nikic. We're talking about the Falcons roster going into 2021, specifically the offensive line. In the first half, we talked about Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, our concerns with Caleb McGarry. Um, Now let's talk about uh, that left guard spot because uh, just like center, there's not a guaranteed starter there. Um, Let's talk about some of the names that right now are at the top of that list. I think... Uh, if you were to ask most people, who do you think will be the day one starter at left guard? If it was built just around who's on the roster today, I think most people say it's probably going to be Josh Andrews, uh, who is the one of the few veterans in this group. And we'll talk about the, the youth on this roster in just a minute um, is in my mind, it's probably gonna be Josh Andrews. The other name, I think that people are sort of clinging to as uh, you know, someone that the, again, for reasons you mentioned in the first half, uh, Adnan is, is someone that was drafted by this regime is Jalen Mayfield, um, the uh, rookie out of Michigan, uh, who is sort of, I don't want to say the consensus uh, head scratcher of the draft. But a lot of people feel like yeah, there were other guys that they could have taken when they took Mayfield and maybe his draft position didn't make a ton of sense for his talent. Um, but left guard uh Andrews, Mayfield, anyone else, what do you think about the position and how concerned are you that this is a question mark (laughs) into the season?
1: Uh, This other than edge right now is the biggest question mark on Mm. the Falcons roster completely because, you know, I understand left guard has been a position of weakness for the past few years because Thomas Dimitrov could not evaluate offensive line to save his life. Nope. And he had, uh, you know, he gave James Carpenter uh, uh, some big money to play uh, below average football for the past few years. But, you know, to Carpenter's credit, he was, you know, better last year than he was uh, mm-hmm. the year before that. Like he wasn't Carpenter wasn't an abject disaster at left guard last year. His pass blocking was, you know, solid sixty-two, according to uh, Pro Football Focus, and you know he's someone whom he's still someone whom uh, I'm sure the fan base isn't losing any sleep over him leaving, and you know I'm sure they're welcoming him not being on the roster anymore. But Josh Andrews last year was horrendous. Like, yeah, jo- Josh Andrews' pass blocking. He made James Carpenter look like David Bakhtiari as far as <laughs> oh, pass blocking is concerned. Oh. I mean, like, ter- his pass blocking grade, according to PFF, was an 18.1. Like oh my I, word. I, I, I almost didn't even know that it could get that low. It, <laughs> among among uh, offensive linemen who played at least 20% of their team's snaps last year, Josh Andrews had the third lowest pass blocking grade in the NFL and this is among like over 200 players along the offensive line. So, you know, he's someone who was always a, a below average pass block. Last year was was really the first year where he really, you know, kind of got playing time. He had fewer than 100 snaps uh, of playing time before last mm-hmm. season and last year he was just, you know, dreadful. So, you know, hopefully, like you said, uh, Arthur Smith can work some magic with him. And but you know I'm I'm going to be incredibly incredibly nervous if he's lining up at left guard for the Falcons. But you know right now he is the proverbial favorite just because Jalen Mayfield is pretty raw. Like Jalen Mayfield feels like a pick you make for year two, right? But he may have to you know be thrown you know into the fire in year one right away because you know Jalen Mayfield he's someone who that played uh at the tackle position in uh in most of his time in college but he's going to kick into a guard position just because he's he's better suited for that by his skill set his ras score was you know a pretty poor uh four point something I forgot what exactly it was as a tackle but when he kicks into guard it it's above a 7.0 which is which is very solid mm-hmm. um mayfield is someone who, uh, I'm, I'm going to be rooting for him in this, uh, in this offensive line training camp battle uh, because, you, you know, if we're, if we're going to be weak at the position, I'd rather we be weak with uh, a young rookie right. learning and, you know, hopefully improving as time goes along because, you know, Josh Andrews, is he's 30 years old. I don't really expect him to be good. But, you you know, uh, this is why this is why Caleb McGarry is so important, because Mm -hmm. you can have you can have a weak link along the offensive line. You're not going to find really very many or even maybe even any offensive lines in the NFL where they have five very good starters. You know, you can afford to have that weakness. You can't afford to have three positions of weakness along the offensive line because that's just that's just a disaster waiting to happen.
0: Yeah and, and this is uh I am I'm, I'm with you. Edge is a concern um but this one in my mind is probably uh if not the biggest it's it's right there. It's second biggest uh with with the edge position. Um and you mentioned Josh Andrews uh 6 years of experience he's 30 years old. We uh, it would be surprising if he suddenly became a decent starter. Um, you know, that would be some dark magic, like dark Lord magic from uh, Arthur Smith to turn that around to that degree. Um, this past week on the Falcoholic live uh, myself and Aaron Freeman uh, of the Falcon fans uh, of the uh, locked on Falcons podcast, a guest on this podcast many times um, we were talking about this and Aaron basically his, one of his takes was uh, the starter at left guard is not currently on the roster and uh, he was making the case that he doesn't. He thinks that they'll ultimately either trade for somebody or look for a veteran that gets cut. Um, you know, to be a flyer at left guard. And I think he's probably onto something.
1: Um, I, you know, I'd be a lot more comfortable with that. Yeah, than, yeah. Than same either here. of these options because remember the last time the Falcons did that was with Andy Levitre. Andy
0: Levitre, right? Yeah,
1: and, and Levitre ended up being a, a very you know solid starter for mm-hmm. you know for what it's worth. I, I give I give Dimitrov a lot of credit for making that trade. That was very savvy. I think that was after the fourth preseason game,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where they just saw they just saw what a disaster the line was in that third preseason game against Miami, and they're like, "All right, we we can't we can't have this." So we'll see. I'll, I'll be very eager to see just how Josh Andrews and Jalen Mayfield perform, and you know the young guys at center, of course, uh, in the preseason. You know then we can possibly reassess our comfort level uh, a few weeks from now.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, – I, I feel like we have to add that caveat for the entire offensive line because, um, you know, to the point I was making earlier, the depth for the Falcons on offense right now going into Doesn't trade camp exist. is, is it, non-existent. There's no,
1: there's no depth.
0: Yeah. It, uh, looking at the roster, um, the uh, for the offensive linemen, purely offensive linemen, uh, players with at least three or more years of actual experience in the league. There are three players for the offensive line um, Jake Matthews, Matt Gono, and Josh Andrews, who we just talked about.
1: Otherwise, and Gono's injured.
0: Yeah. And, and Gono, exactly. Gono is injured. So, two healthy players with three or more years of experience in the NFL. Everyone else, literally, everyone else is either entering their third year or less. Um, that is incredibly like, and I'm all about giving the young guys a shot. That is without a doubt. I I want these young guys to get an opportunity as opposed to signing someone like a James Carpenter, uh, which you mentioned earlier, but having that much of your offensive line depth on the team, essentially relegated to rookies and second year players is highly concerning, especially when you're looking to conduct uh, battles on the offensive line to figure out who's going to be your, your starter there. Um, when one of your only two active, quote unquote, veterans is one of the arguably the worst players on the team from a pass blocking standpoint, um, that is like, that has me sweating bullets. Uh, and again, I'm a big believer that Arthur Smith is going to revamp this offense and make it fun again. He's going to score some points. But if they cannot improve this depth, And he is not a you know a a dark wizard capable of you know altering uh, time and space and reality. This is going to be a very very difficult lift in year one. Um, uh, That is, I'm not trying to say guys like uh, 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 Drew Dahlman and uh, Jalen Mayfield aren't going to work out. I feel like there's you know very good potential with these guys, but the rest of them. Oh my word! Like this is. I'm looking at this rookie, first year, rookie, 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 second year, second year, rookie, rookie, second year. That is highly concerning. <laughs> um, so it feels like uh, the Falcons can't be done with offensive line. I, I've got to imagine some of these guys are going to fall off, and they're going to start trying to look for veterans to get cut. You know, during training camp, veterans to get cut in the preseason and try to bolster the depth that way. But right now, uh, this is a very, very young unit. And um, in my opinion, probably a little bit too young for, for comfort to go into the season like this. What do you think about uh, the fact that uh, probably uh, uh, 90% of our offensive line depth in, in training camp is essentially three years or younger in the league?
1: Yeah, if we need uh, every single member of the offensive line to be fully, fully healthy as it stands right now. Yes, and then, and then, even then, they still maybe they'll probably be a below average unit. Well, mm-hmm. l- let me not say probably. If everyone's healthy, l- let me be more optimistic. They'll likely be an average unit if as we, their um, peak.
0: As their peak, yeah, probably, as their yeah. Peak. <laughs>
1: If we if we have any injuries as of now, like you might as well go out there with four offensive linemen, and just, like <laughs> add an extra wide receiver. So I feel like that that would that would be be better for for the team. <laughs> right now, Whew. I think I think John Wetzel is maybe the the like direct backup with Gono's injury. And John Wetzel is most known for being, like, cut and re-signed by the Falcons, like, six or seven times. Every other
0: or, week, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, he's someone who at least has, you know, some experience. Uh, he played for the Cardinals for three seasons. He played a good amount. He was actually a, a starter in 2017 for them, in 2016. But, you know, there were some injuries here and there. Uh, he wasn't very good. He wasn't, especially, he wasn't a very good pass blocker. He was always a a plus run blocker, but you know, there's, I have no confidence in this depth. And like you said, there's, there probably need to be multiple signings along the offensive Mm -hmm. line. That's going to be pretty difficult to pull that off and to bring in uh, another edge rusher, which this team also desperately needs. But, you know, there's there's probably going to be some bargain bin shopping over the course of the next month or so. And, you know, it says a lot that I, I'm more confident in who they find in that, you know, discount bargain <laughs> bin than I am what's available on their roster right now.
0: Right. This is, I couldn't have said it better. Um, you know, if we, if we move past the guys that are certain starters, um, this is the list of guys who are... Uh, on the roster and in competition for the center and left guard positions. Um, if, we, if we assume McGarry uh, does keep that right tackle spot. Uh, Josh Andrews, uh, 30 years old, six years of experience. Uh, Willie Beavers, 27 years old, two years of experience. Drew Dahlman, rookie. Bryce Hargrove, rookie. Matt Hennessy, second year. Sam Jones, second year. Jalen Mayfield, rookie. Ryan Newsel, rookie. Joe Sculthorpe, rookie, Keon Smith, rookie, Williams, William Sweet, second year, Willie Wright, first year. I mean, that right there tells you the story. <laughs> that is that I, I'm thinking back. And honestly, I cannot remember when the Falcons had this little experience across the entire roster for offensive line. Like normally they've, they've done a good job of mixing in, you know, guys who've played four or five years or been backups for four or five years. Um, but there's none of that, none of that, literally none of that at all um, on this current uh, composition of the roster. Um, and, you know, when, when, we decided to talk about offensive line. Uh, we joked about Sean Harlow. He would have more experience right now than any of these guys, um, which is sort of, you know, disheartening. Um, all right. So with all of that said, Anon, uh, we, we've talked about, you know, the starters, uh, the guys we're comfortable with are unease with right tackle. Um, if you were to project right now, what do you think the starting five for the Falcons offensive line looks like for game one of the NFL season in
1: 2021? Um, I think, you know, Jake Matthews, uh, from left to right, Jake Matthews is left tackle. As it stands right now, Josh Andrews, probably left guard. Mm-hmm. I, I hope Aaron Freeman's right and that the uh, starting left guard in week one isn't on the roster right now. But, you know, we, we can't predict that at all. So right now, if I have to say it, Josh Andrews, uh center will will be matt Hennessy most likely uh right guard will be chris lindstrom and of course gail will be right tackle and this feels like a unit that you know out of the 32 nfl teams you know maybe it'll be the 23rd or 24th best offensive line Mm -hmm. in the nfl this season which you know isn't good by any means but uh i i I would not expect this unit to be a a top 10 unit in the NFL. And if it is, then, you know, Arthur Smith is just like a wizard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If, if, if that happens, um, uh, sign Arthur Smith to a 40 year contract (laughs) at this point. Um, All right. Jake Matthews for me at left tackle, clearly Uh, left guard of the guys who are currently on there. I'm going to change. I'm going to go a little bit different here. I think it will be Jalen Mayfield um, because I, I think Josh Andrews is, hasn't shown that he can do anything in this league uh, of, of note. But as to your point, and I agree completely, I hope that they go and look for some veteran depth that can fill in that spot instead of going with the second worst option. Um, center, I'm actually also going to disagree here. I think that Dahlman um, is going to show up in camp. I think the, the coaching staff wants to give him the job, and I think he will be the day one starter. Um, you know, No offense to Matt Hennessy. Um, but I think Dolman is going to uh, get as many opportunities as possible. And I think he's going to, that's my uh, hot take for the podcast. Drew wow. Dolman this starter at center. <laughs> I will
1: say if Dolman and Mayfield are the starters in week one, that, that's going to be the most intriguing route possible. That oh, we I have With this offensive line. That, yeah. That's going to be something where, it, you know, I'm not going to say that it's going to be a, a very good offensive line, but I'll definitely be, you know, very much keeping my eye out and, you know, tracking that, that interior of the offensive line because yeah. I feel like that, that's probably the most exciting option. Because if they are starters in week one, it'll mean that they'll have earned it. Uh, yeah. They'll have yep. shown the coaching staff something in preseason in training camp to give them that trust right away.
0: Yeah. And to be clear, I am not uh, in general in favor of starting multiple rookies uh, next to each other on the offensive line, um, you know, that is almost always a recipe for disaster. You you want some kind of veteran presence uh, next to each rookie that you're starting. And uh, you know, there's only so much Jake Matthews can do from left tackle and, and Lindstrom can do from right guard. Um, but to your point, I, I feel like uh, this coaching staff is going to give both of these guys every opportunity to earn a job. Cause they're, you know, as you mentioned earlier, they're, they are their choices in their first draft class. And I think they want them to work out. Uh, and then obviously to round out my predictions, right guard is clearly Chris Lindstrom. And I do think that McGarry uh, will start initially at right tackle. Uh, and we'll see what happens with Gona. We still don't know the extent to, of his injury. We don't even know what his injury is at this point. We just know he's injured and he's going to miss some time. Um, so we'll, we will find out soon because uh, the minute they open training camp, they have to do something with them. Uh, and if he goes in the pup list, we'll have a little bit better impression of what's going on with his season. Um, all right. So with that said, uh, obviously, uh, I think you guys can probably tell Adnan and I are both concerned about the state of the offensive line, um, yet uh, at the same time, uh, seeing some opportunities for slight optimism. Um, So take that for what you will. Uh, Adnan, uh, any final thoughts on the offensive line before we uh, wrap up and close out this podcast?
1: Uh, Yikes. (laughs) um no no okay okay it's july and you know i'm i'm obliged to be an optimist i i am the optimist of the alcoholic um you you know maybe um mayfield and dolman end up being massive gems that terry Fontenot just like uncovered in his first year as gm and you know maybe the offensive line is is better than what we're predicting and what we're giving them credit for, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I know I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on it. Uh, not in year one, at least. So you know, th- this is a unit where hopefully they can tread water. Hopefully they they won't be just a complete disaster that holds everything back. You, you know, nobody's expecting them to be the Dallas Cowboys or the Indianapolis Colts this year. Where, you know, they're just this plus unit that just mauls defensive linemen left and right. You know, hopefully they can just, you know, stay out of the way, so to speak, this year.
0: Yeah, um, I could not agree
1: more. That would uh, be a big victory.
0: Yes, I, I feel like right now the, the the floor is absolute worst in the league holds this offense back. Like I could see this unit being that. Um, even with two good players on it, you know, you, having, as you mentioned at the beginning of podcast, having three big holes on the offensive line can cause major issues. Um, and let's hope that they, they do something about that. I think they will. I, I think they know that right now the, the composition of the roster is not ideal. Um, these, these are not dumb men in front, in front of the ch- franchise. Um, so they're, I, I feel relatively confident in saying that I think they're going to try to address some of these issues uh, before game one gets here. Uh, All right. With that said, Adnan, remind our listeners where they can find you, what you have going on.
1: Uh, Mostly on Twitter, uh, at SayWhichWay. I kind of took a bit of a vacation the past month, so I haven't been around. Uh, And I put a a pause on my uh, article series, trying to look at what the greatest moment in Falcons history is in a March Madness style bracket. Uh, we've gotten through the Sweet Sixteen, and in the coming days, I'm gonna write up and publish the uh, Elite Eight and the continuation of that series. Uh, it's completely determined by votes of the readers, so you guys determine what plays go through. And, you know, by the end of August, we'll we'll have a winner crowned in that one. It's, it's something that uh, I've put a lot of uh, thought and effort into. The past few months so you know i'm glad that it's it's finally getting some light
0: yep and uh for those of you who do read the site go check those articles out and vote uh let your voice be heard uh, as for you guys uh you can follow me on twitter at falcoholic dw updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod, pod and of course our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com so for adnan Ikic, this is david walker thank you guys for listening in i'll we'll talk with you next time